for the past three to four years, I have shifted out of the idea of relationship being a performance to relationship being a practice. Mm -hmm. One where I show up and really get to explore with a person who is a willing participant, meaning who is also wanting to explore relationship as a practice as opposed to a performance. What does it look like if the, the primary goal in relationship is to discover more fully who I am and access greater levels of freedom in myself while maintaining connection? Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Being Inspired Radio Show. My name is Amanda Johnson, your host. And here we are in 2019. This year is already, I can tell, filled with blessings and opportunities and going higher together with compassion, love, peace, joy, lessons. And I am so honored and grateful to have once again called into this container an individual who really spoke to me through her words on the internet. She had a post on Facebook that I was so captivated by, and thankfully, a friend of mine had shared it, and her words spoke to me so uh, deeply, and they moved me, and when something like that enters my world, I, at this point on my journey, know that there are no coincidences and that I tr need to trust those signs or feelings or nods. And I reached out to our guest today and I said, I love your energy. I love what you're sharing with the world. Would you be a guest on my show? And she very open-heartedly and uh, excitedly said, yes, I would love to. And so this is our first conversation together. And yet I know it will be simply divine. I can already feel that our energy is here in service of one another and also in service of each and every one of you listening. And that is what I love most about this show and the opportunity to host this show. So today I get to welcome Arielle Brown onto this show. Arielle is an intimacy coach, writer, and facilitator with a focus on embodied intelligence and transparent communication skills. She works with individuals and couples to connect with their authentic desires and boundaries so they can build relationships that foster their growth and self-actualization. She offers comprehensive experiential learning through online courses, workshops, and experiences focused on creating alignment in our relationships sexuality, and self-expression. And you can learn more about her work at arielbrown.com, which of course I will link to in our show notes. Arielle, thank you for being here and joining us today. Mm, it's such a pleasure to be here. I am smiling from the inside out. And that gives me chills. So here we go. This is going to be great. <laughs> As I love to do with each of my guests, I, I ask them a very simple question before we start come together in this space and time, which is what do you stand for or what would you consider is part of your essence? Why are you in the world? What are you here to share? And of course, I get a lovely response that is unique to each guest and Ariel's was no different. And a few things that she wrote in that response uh, was around being authentic and sharing our truth in life and specifically in relationships and how important that is for the overall healing of our world. And I could not agree more. 
And what really stood out to me was this idea of relationships, probably because I'm really in that space myself in my life. And I use these opportunities not only to share all of this inspiration and wisdom with each of you listening, but to also receive that for myself and trust that if it's something that I need to hear, it is something you also need to hear. So as I like to do, I found a passage from a book that has inspired me on my journey to kickstart our conversation. And this comes from a book that I have referenced before, Marianne Williamson's A Return to Love. Today, I'm going to read this passage that speaks to this concept of authenticity in relationships. And so I ask Ariel and those listening to tune in to what you hear through Marianne's words. What is it that she has to say to you today in this present moment? And how does it speak to you? And then we'll go from there. In the special relationship, I'm afraid to show you the real truth about myself, my fears, my weaknesses, because I'm afraid that if you see them, you'll leave. I'm assuming you're as judgmental as I am. And I'm also not really jumping up and down wanting to see your weak spots either because it makes me nervous to think I'm involved with someone who has them. The whole setup mitigates against authenticity and therefore against real growth. A special relationship perpetuates the self-punishing masquerade in which we all seek desperately to attract love through being someone we're not. Although we're seeking love, we're actually fostering our own self-hatred and lack of self-esteem. So Ariel, as you hear that passage read, and there was a lot in there, what stood out to you or what spoke to you in this moment? I mean, in short, the whole thing, uh, you know, what she speaks to around how, especially, you know, I had the experience of, of growing up in American culture. I can't speak to cultures outside of this in the same way, but my experience and what I see as many other people's experiences is that we are trained to pursue love by changing who we are because there's been this inherent conditioning that we are wrong, unworthy, or unlovable as we are. And we wind up building our relationships on the foundation of pretending or performing and acting. And when I heard you saying and reading it, it was a combination of like smiling in, in synchronicity and also sadness and tears because of how empty um, and hungry so many of us in this culture are because of that very truth that she is speaking to. And my body is feeling that as well, very much a deep resonance with what you're saying that we do. We walk around craving these connections and this love and it's rooted in the, and, and so we go around pretending and performing because we do not believe who we inherently are is worthy and lovable. And I'd love to go there because this is also a major theme that is popping up in my experience right now through other books or conversations, et cetera, mm. is that we feel we need to deny who we truly are. Mm -hmm. And can you talk to me a little bit more about that in your own experience, either what you have learned or where you think that stems from or what your experience has been with that? Yeah, um, it, it's a beautiful question. And 
I feel that so much of where this this pain comes from and this feeling of needing to hide who we are comes from the definition that we received of love or what love is from childhood. You know, it, not all of us, you know, we, we wake up, we have a variety of different experiences as children. Some of us have gone through really intense forms of physical, emotional, sexual abuse, and some have just gone through being a human whose parents, like, weren't loved as a child in the way that they needed to be. And I feel like we get this idea of what love is when we're younger, which might be, oh, I, I couldn't be too excited when I was younger because then mom wouldn't um, like wouldn't give me love. Or if I was too emotional when I was younger, then my father would get mad at me for being too sensitive or too dramatic. And you know, I, I've, I've gotten to this place in my growth where I don't blame my parents. We're all doing the best with what we can. But I feel like we, we take these stories of what love is, which is often suffering or being treated less than how we actually desire to be treated. And that's what we're walking around with. We're walking around with the belief that love is pain and that love is not being seen. And we wind up recreating these circumstances over and over again. And I hear you saying that through all of this, love is conditional. We are taught from the very beginning, again, no fault of our parents. They did the best they could with what they had. And to your point, they probably weren't modeled how to be loved either. And we do grow up from this very young age of, I will love you if, or that's how we interpret it because of how we see their reactions or their responses to our what feels like our natural behavior or our innate ways of being. And uh, yeah, I, I see that and I'm and it, it does, it pains me as well to think then we go through life feeling like we can't be who we truly are in partnership. And this is, I think, again, in life in general. And I think there's something very powerful about the romantic relationship dynamic. Mm -hmm. And so Talk to me a little bit more about that as you've, you've grown up, you've seen that this happened, obviously this happened in your own life, right? And you experienced this and now here you are, you're coming in, you're into adulthood and you're seeing this playing out. And what was that? Like, where did this play out for you? When did you start? And this is what I'm curious about. When did you start to go, oh my goodness, like, look at what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when did that happen? Well, it, it happened through a series of romantic relationships with men in my 20s where um, I kept having the experience of abandoning myself in order to make a relationship work where I didn't even know the person and there was a lot of toxicity to the dynamic. You know, I, I remember one past relationship with a man who was a very you know, powerful and magical man and also imbalanced emotionally and really not in um not in his right mind in many ways and i reflect on another relationship with a man who was very controlling and um really because of his own insecurities wanted to convince me that i wasn't trustworthy and i would just have these experiences of getting into relationship and realizing like you know 
I'm a very bright, intelligent, amazing woman. Yet this thing keeps happening where I'm so I'm so attached to the idea of finding my my prince charming, like my man that I get to spend the rest of my life with. That I I, I put on like I call it princess goggles. You know, Disney <laughs> raises us to find our our white knight, and he's gonna save us from our circumstances that we could not save ourselves from. And then we're gonna ride off on the back of his horse into the sunset, and that's the end of. <laughs> and I would just keep pursuing that and and abandoning connection to my my own self-knowing, my own intuition. And I realized, you know, so like similar to what you were saying, like we've I, I've been doing this work for like a while, you know, the devotion to myself. And despite the fact that I'm so devoted to knowing myself, there's this piece where when I get into romantic relationship, all of that kind of falls to the wayside. And I got myself to this point where um, I realized, you know, I'd, I'd had sex with so many men at this point. This is probably like five or six years ago, maybe um, more than I can count. And I, I remember feeling like, you know, for all the men that I've had sex with, my, my ability to be able to know what it is that I want and to be able to ask for and communicate it in the moment and feel comfortable enough in my body and in our connection that I could actually open to receiving pleasure. Mm. Maybe two or three men, maybe, like maybe. And I realized, you know, the common denominator here is me. And, and there's something within me that needs to change the way that I'm engaging in relationship in order to get in, like experience a different, different result, And the other piece here, you know, which I was just reflecting on a couple of days ago, because for the past three years or so, I've been practicing non-monogamy, which for those who aren't familiar, it's, I would define it as allowing myself to cultivate deep intimacy with a man or any human that I'm attracted to and explore relationship without immediately going into committed monogamous partnership. And I was just reflecting on how in America we're so conditioned to um, jump into committed monogamy and really only have that person be the primary source of our love and affection and touch and validation. And I want to be very clear that I don't have any issue with monogamy. I think that everyone has their own form of relating, which is ideal and you like specific to them. But I think many of us engage in monogamy from a place of um, conditioning, like that's what I'm supposed to do. That's what the right thing is to do. And then you couple that with all of this conditioning around feeling like we need to hide who we are in order to receive love. And what I find is that many monogamous conventional relationships wind up becoming self-created prisons where we engage in a relationship projecting this idea of who we need to be based upon the projected idea of who this person across from us is. And we kind of create this, this box where, okay, so you have to be this person and I need to be this person. And this is how we relate. And then the problem is we, we create this foundation of the relationship built on um, like image or performance. And then we're, we're growing this root system of the relationship, which is actually not truth. And eventually we'll get to this point where we realize like, oh my goodness, I've been hiding myself 
for like three months, six months. And you know what? It was able to do it when I was earlier on in the relationship. But at this point, I am just like overwhelmed with resentment and, and desires that I don't know how to express, boundaries that I'm afraid to communicate. And I need to blow this baby up because I just can't handle the illusion anymore. And that was a rather lengthy rant of the way that I believe we're conditioned to do romantic relationship in America um, is not working for the direction we as a, a species needs to evolve in. And I really appreciate you going there and sharing that. Also acknowledging, because I know it's all too easy for me to get into wanting to judge or say, well, this really is better or that's the right way. And I really appreciate that that's not the case. You know, non-monogamy is not necessarily better than monogamy equally. Monogamy is not necessarily better than non-monogamy. And what I think you highlight is it will be for each of us what we need. However, are we being authentic? Are we being true? Or are we operating out of fear and programming? And what I kept hearing was going back to Marianne's quote that specifically in those, not all, of course not all, some, maybe the majority of monogamous relationships, especially if built on this conditioned programming and some inauthenticity or a lot of inauthenticity is, is driven by the fear of if I am who I am or if I express my needs or my desires or my boundaries, then that person will leave. And I'm so afraid of being alone that I will do whatever I need to maintain this illusion. And I think that is driving most of our, and again, I can't say, I don't know if that's true. I imagine that drives many romantic relationships and certainly has in my life. And my question now is, as you've explored over the past few years, you know, or um, how to be in non-monogamy and how to show up more authentically, what now, because I, I also imagine it's not easy even when we know it I mean I know it on my in, in so many levels of intellectualizing it and even having experienced it and then to your point you know I get in that romantic relationship it's like whoop where'd I go what just happened how can I not express myself right now like literally I can't get the words out of my mouth that I want to say right there's such a it's almost a physical block at times so what does that journey look like for you how have you started showing up more authentically and yeah, what does that look like? What does that mean? What does that feel like in your experience? Totally. Oh, this, I mean, that's such a beautiful, beautiful question. And before I go into it, the other piece that I want to name about different styles of relating non-monogamy versus monogamy is I also want to invite that we can move through many different evolutions of relationships. So for example, I've been practicing non-monogamy now, mainly because I realized that I was operating in, in a fear-based form of monogamy. And I've chosen, okay, for at this point in time, this is what feels good to me to kind of like reestablish who I actually am and how I want to be in relationships. So for the people who are listening, you know, who get can get attached to different labels, what I really want to invite, and this leads back to the question you asked of me, is for the past three to four years, I have shifted out of the idea of relationship being a performance to relationship being a practice. One where I show up and really get to explore with a person who is a willing participant 
meaning who is also wanting to explore relationship as a practice as opposed to a performance, what does it look like if the, the primary goal in relationship is to discover more fully who I am and access greater levels of freedom in myself while maintaining connection? We, we live in a very isolated culture, so the connection piece is key. Um, and when you asked me what really started me down this path, it, it's interesting because it actually started with um, a practice called orgasmic meditation. Are, are you familiar with the practice? I have heard of it. I can't say I have practiced it, but I have the name sounds familiar. No problem. So it's um, it's a a fifteen minute partnered mindfulness practice, which essentially um, it involves at least one woman, and um, the woman will basically undress from the waist down and lie down, and then her partner, who can either be a man or a woman, um, who's wearing you know a, a latex glove, and uh, in a fifteen minute time container, will stroke a, a woman's clitoris very gently and deliberately for 15 minutes with no goal other than to just feel exactly what arises in the body. And I came around this practice probably three or four years ago, right as I was ending another relationship with this man where I kind of had that aha moment of um, I realized that I, I didn't even know how to access my own pleasure because I, like so many women who I've learned through coaching and just being in relationship with, is we as women have been so conditioned to believe that our sex is for men, that our pleasure is for men, that most of, most many women at some point in their life um, struggle with the ability to just be in our body and open and receptive to pleasure because we're constantly thinking about what we need to give back or are we taking too long or just the discomfort of being in our body because we as women have been conditioned to believe that our value is associated with a very specific idea of what physical attractiveness is. And what this practice did for me and does for many women who engage in it is that it creates a specific time container where all of those conditionings get to fall away, where, where all we were meant to do is be present and just notice what does it feel like in my body when I'm being stroked in this way? And how can I communicate and ask like, oh, like, could you move a little bit to the right? Oh, could you apply a little bit less pressure? Um, could you apply a little bit more pressure? Could you go faster? And it's, it's just so amazing because this practice winds up being this microcosm. Like for me at looking at how am I able to feel what's going on in my body in the moment and this can apply to relationship. This can apply to, okay, how do I feel in relationship to this person right now? Am I a yes to what they're saying? Am I a no to what they're saying? What does my no feel like in my body so I can identify it in the moment? And then am I willing to take the risk of speaking my truth and have greater priority on um, being devoted to myself than to making any relationship work. Mm -hmm. And that devotion in itself runs completely counterintuitive, especially, especially for women. On some level, this is, this is a human issue. And, and on another level, um, women, like up until the very recent past, were reliant upon men for our safety. 
So a big part of what I needed to do in my own personal journey was get out of that conditioning and start really realizing that um, I don't need to look outside of myself and, and grasp and pursue at lukewarm, mediocre relationships that aren't actually going to satisfy me and come from a place of fearing that there's nothing better. And instead, through this practice of really getting clear on what does my pleasure feel like? Uh, who am I? What do I want? What I started to do was create alignment between my inner truth and my outer reality. And what that means is looking at anywhere where I, I feel something in my body, but I'm acting in my external reality in a way that isn't in alignment with it. I started to clean that up. And in that process of creating alignment, what I noticed is that I started to attract different types of people into my life, types of people who were more in alignment with what was true in my heart, types of men who wanted to slow down, who could attune to me, who wanted to know what I really wanted. And this is really a big part of the coaching work that I do with people is how do we create alignment between who we are on the inside and what we're saying yes or no to in our life. Wow, so much good stuff coming up. And I am... <laughs> so honored that we're having this conversation and again not at all surprised how these things flow into my life when they flow into my life and the, the even though I feel like I could comment on so much of what you said there's a question that is just you know coming up to the surface which is and I don't I don't know where this is coming from it could be coming from my own recognition that this is an area that I struggle with. I really struggle with the showing up in relationship with someone and letting it be whatever it is without needing to force it into a mold or have it look a certain way. And so even when you talked earlier about, can I practice showing up and not immediately thinking this needs to become some committed monogamous relationship? And so there's still a real, um, gap there for me in the in the outer reality and so I'm I want to hear and maybe for my own like we're all in this together from that perspective is where has this been challenging for you or where has this where are those experiences over the past few years where you were like whoa okay whoops here I go again or you know I thought I was I thought I was doing it and then it's like oh just kidding let's try again and I think I need to hear that maybe for my own my own validation perhaps but I would love to hear if that has been the case for you and then how you've navigated that or what that looks like. Totally. Oh, it's such a beautiful question. And thank you for bringing your own vulnerability into it. And I will still I will be completely honest that I still I still run the risk of falling into princess goggles, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and by princess goggles, I, I just mean that like, and I, I don't even think like, per, like, perhaps this is men's experience as well, but that there's this part of me that that does like once my partner my person and you know the part that um will like even though I'm still like okay just be present like loves the imagining and the excitement and the curiosity of what it could be and I, I will say that 
you know, practicing non-monogamy or just, you know, in some ways I don't even feel like it's non-monogamy, but I feel like it's just allowing myself to cultivate intimacy without Mm -hmm. needing to clamp down and preserve the thing that is arising and, and to just allow myself to feel it. And, um, probably the most, the most challenging experience and what has also created so much freedom for me was through one particular experience of just total heartbreak. And it was a man who, um, I connected with in a, in a very like surprising way. Like I didn't think that I was attracted to him. I just thought he would be a good friend. And, you know, he invited me out to, to spend 10 days in Hawaii with him. It was a place that I was wanting to like explore for a long time. He's like, I have a great home, like come and check it out. You can go do what you want. And we wound up just like very surprisingly falling into such a a beautiful and open-hearted love with each other. And I feel like part of the reason I was able to fall so fully was because I wasn't creating a story about what our relationship would be because like mm. I, I was attracted to him. And we wound up falling in love and just one of the most beautiful heart opening experiences of my life. And, um, you know, I, I had to go back to California from Hawaii and he was set to come out for a work trip a few a couple of months later and I remember he called me and we had continued to cultivate our 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 relationship and intimacy and you know he called me up and said you know I'm I'm cultivating this relationship on the island with this woman and it looks like we will be moving into a monogamous relationship and I just I want to be honest with you because I care about and love you and you know I like before I come out there I just want to be honest so that you can really be clear about if you just want to be friends or if you still want to explore intimacy together and being the 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 open-hearted adventurer that I am like I thanked him for his honesty and said like yes let's let's do this and you know had another beautiful experience with him and then he went back to Hawaii and true to what he said he he got into a monogamous relationship with another woman, like a really lovely woman. And um, it was one of the most intense experiences of heartbreak. And, and what was so beautiful and intense about it was that I did not rob myself of the experience of the heartbreak. Like I let myself feel that heartbreak so deeply. And the key piece here that I think might speak to what you're asking is, I feel like with, with a lot of women, there, there's a lot of resentment towards men. There's a lot of anger, a lot of unexpressed anger and resentment and distrust of men. And, you know, rightfully so, because women's power and and privilege has been taken away and shamed and stigmatized by men for a long time. And what I thought was so beautiful about this experience is that this man showed up in such integrity and with such care for all hearts involved that I got to have the experience of learning how to love deeply a person who wasn't available in the way that I wanted him to be. And I didn't need to make him wrong. And I feel like that's a lot of what we are kind of conditioned to do. Like when we feel heartbreak, we want to make something wrong. We want to make someone wrong. We want to get angry because it helps justify the heartbreak. And 
I've, you know, that is one significant experience. And I've had others of just because of the gift of really choosing non-monogamy, at least for this, this current time in my life has been to look at where I've built protection mechanisms around my heart um, to prevent me from getting hurt, but also to prevent me from really experiencing the depth of love and um, intimacy and magic that is available through open-hearted connection. And I really feel like it's some of the the most intense and <laughs> sometimes treacherous work that we can do but you know it also feels like some of the most important work that we can do in these times so beautiful and thank you for sharing yourself so openly and vulnerably and allowing us to have a sneak peek into how some of this has unfolded for you and I certainly know it spoke to me on many levels and the one other question that I, I can't leave off on the table, I feel like I need to ask it, is there's something in this for me, going back to us showing up authentically uh, in ourselves, speaking our truth. This is who I quote unquote am. And now, of course, we are not our personality. We are not our neuroses. And that is a part of the package, you know, um, at least in, in, in our present moment, that's, you know. I show up at times from a place of personality, neuroses, wounding, and I'm at a point in my journey where I'm very aware of it, and yet it's still there. Mm -hmm. And I feel like something here about being authentic and being in our truth includes that piece of it as well. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to get your thoughts or perspective on how to do that or how you do that in these open hearted relationships and doing it in a way that because where I'm at in my life is I want to do that. I want to honor. This is who I am. This is where I'm at. This is what I'm struggling with, or this is the story I'm telling, or this is, you know, my addictive behavior pattern that I keep playing out and understanding that it has an impact on the other, right? I'm not in a vacuum. And sometimes I like to think I am. And so how do you navigate that showing up authentically in these very intimate dynamics with and potentially many different people right so there's not just a person you are kind of sussing I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say many but I would say <laughs> okay oh sorry and I, not to make the assumption but let's say more than a person you know you, we aren't you know I can think of like my parents been married for what, I don't know 50 some years it's like they they just get to battle hash this out together over and over again right and so yeah. even in my life like there are multiple men who show up and I get to go, okay, here we go. Oh, let's try this again. And now with you. And so this idea of how do we do that? How do we be authentic to ourselves and navigate the impact it has on another? Does that make sense? It totally does. It totally does. And um, I, before I answer it, I want to give a quick, just because you said the piece around many, um, I, I feel like, and I'm not saying that you do, but I feel like a lot of the the judgment that people can have around, you know, not non-monogamy and polyamory and things like that is the story that, oh, it's just because that person wants to be able to have sex with a lot of people. And right. what, yeah. what I want to invite is that, you know what, like for some people that, that might be true, but for me, I actually find that um, open relating and non-monogamy actually requires even more devotion to truth and, mm -hmm. and ethics and intimacy because other people's hearts 
are involved and um this this piece around um like uh taking responsibility and like the part where like our personality and our ego can come in one of the biggest places where personality and ego can come in is around control we want to be able to control the other person's actions so that we can feel safe um so that's just one piece that i want to name around um uh looking at the places where we want to control another another person's actions or desires of things of that nature because it has us feel more safe or more comfortable in the relationship um and in your question i'm hearing you ask from the angle of how do i how do i navigate my own impact my own truth um can i can i ask like a, can i ask a clarifying mm -hmm. question like what is the fear that if you're too honest that that you might hurt the person or overwhelm the person certainly the overwhelm yeah so for me the fear is well if i articulate everything that i'm thinking feeling experiencing because that's how i feel i need to it, a there's two things going on one i feel that is part of me being in my truth is say let me just put it all on the table and there's a bit of an ego attachment to that how i potentially control the person so that I don't have to sit in the discomfort. Beautiful. Of, right. So those two things are happening simultaneously. And then the fear is I will overwhelm or push them away. Totally. Well, there's, there's, so, I mean, it's a beautiful question and there's so many different layers. And the first thing I want to say is, um, in many ways, there is nothing more terrifying to a man than a woman who's connected to her voice and her desire. And I just, I want to, I want to let that one sink in on, on behalf of women because men's roles in terms of how they show up for women are changing in a big way. Um, men are no longer the, the financial providers in the same way that they were. Women can take care of themselves financially. And I, I know for myself, what more and more what I am realizing I need is for a man to not just be willing to tolerate my truth that be turned on by the the investigation of it. Mm. <laughs> and there are men out there who are turned on by it. And there's also not a lot of training out there um, for men to learn how to how to check their own egos enough to be able to stay present with a woman. Because men's egos are are just as frat like men's egos are just as fragile as, as women's are. And to be willing to listen to a woman's truth and a woman's desire can be very threatening. And <laughs> I just want to speak to my, like the amount of love that I have for the men who, who do want to be able to show up and, and receive a woman's vulnerability because it requires him to be vulnerable as well. And there's way more approval for women to be vulnerable than men in this culture. Um, and it requires us to be discerning about who we decide to explore intimacy with. Because for two people to show up authentically and come in from a place of desire for growth and freedom, both people need to be willing to self-reflect. And what I mean by that is like, let's say that, let's say that, like I'm a man, like just let's say you and I, it doesn't even matter. Like let's say you and I are in a relationship together and you say something to me that triggers me and it like gets me into this reactionary space. 
Um, if I refuse to do the inner work to really explore why I'm triggered and why I'm reacting, then no matter how much work you're doing on your end, the relationship can only go as far as the other person is willing to take responsibility and explore what's there. And this is a thing that I see with, with a lot of women that I work with and we're working in partnership is um, that there is this, this opening and there's this desire to expand and grow on the part of the woman. And it requires the man to get on board and desire to do the internal excavation and growth work as well which can be really frightening. It can be really frightening for both people. So I feel like ultimately it requires both or all people involved to be more invested in the freedom and fulfillment that is available through the uncomfortable moments than being attached to the safety and familiarity of the performance. Thank you, Ariel. So beautifully said and summed up at the end there, like with a button and everything that was so delightful and I feel so grateful and honored that I got a chance to ask that question and then you were able to so lovingly and powerfully address it and I think there was something certainly in it for me and for all of those listening and yes so much love to the masculine out there who is navigating these new roles and we're all (laughs) We're all doing the best we can. And I think there is some settling and, and uh, reacclimating that needs to happen in these dynamics. And I appreciate your perspective on that so much. So thank you. Mm, thank you. This was such a, a fulfilling and rewarding conversation for me as well. And of course, I could go on and on. And I feel we are really at that beautiful very natural place of, of completion for now. And before we sign off completely, I do want to ask a few more questions of you where these questions are intended to better understand who you are and where you've journeyed from in a sense, in terms of what inspires you, because I do believe we are here on our path because of what has inspired us, what has been in spirit and has guided us and led us along this path and what continues to do that every single day. So that's the intention of these questions before we close. The first question that I ask all of my guests is, who is a source of inspiration for you and why? Well, I'll, I'll name this person because he's actually someone who I wanted to name as a, as a, a reference and support for, for the men who really feel um, called to show up differently in their life, but don't really know how. And um, it's a dear friend and colleague of mine named Robert Kendall. Um, he's a brilliant men's coach and just came out with a book called Unhidden, a book for men and those confused by them. And he is just so beautifully laying out um, the struggle and expectation of what it means to be a quote unquote man in society and how it really sets men up to have a lot of difficulty in navigating intimacy with themselves and especially with women. And um, in many ways, I feel like he's kind of providing the male counterpart to, to what I'm providing with women. And I just, I love sharing about what he's doing because it's, um, it's such a gift what he's giving to men. 
thank you for that book recommendation and to giving him the shout out and please i mean i'm intri- i'm intrigued i'm inspired to to look him up and anyone else feeling the call to do so i'll make sure to link to him as well so that you know where to find him excellent what place or activity is most inspiring you right now initially I was going to say music because I'm a musician and I love to perform but when I really feel into that what activity is most inspiring to me is um, cultivating intimacy in community um, I'm I'm exploring um, moving into uh, an intentional community living situation and and really opting into um, what does it look like to create like a cohesive living dynamic where all people involved get to show up genuinely as who we are while also creating like a homeostatic ecosystem where, where there's harmony. And, you know, I've been so focused on my work and my business and just kind of like trailblazing the past five or six years that in many ways I've I haven't prioritized the cultivation of of home and what community really looks like to me like I have amazing friends and an amazing larger community but the activity that I'm really interested in is what does it look like to create a cohesive living group dynamic where each person's gifts and and personality and love and truth gets to cohabitate in harmony with each other Thank you for sharing that inspiration. It lights me up over here as well. So (laughs) my final question, uh, mostly asking out of, um, well, again, for other good book recommendations for me and our listeners. And I I have been an avid reader on the journey. And so for me, books have been a huge source of inspiration for me and can continue to be. So what is a favorite book that has inspired you on your journey? Let me feel into that one. You know, I'll I'll have to say The Surrender Experiment. That book was recommended to me by a mentor um, because, you know, I'm an entrepreneur and I've been I've been doing the business thing for three or four years. And, um, uh, you know, we exist in a culture that's very focused on like in like intensity and and forward motion and there's a specific way to do things. And um, a big practice for me has been in the places where I feel like I need to exert more and control more. How can I actually surrender control and let go and become incredibly present to what is here right now and trust that everything is showing up exactly as it is needed. And the story, the true story of this man in this book, The Surrender Experiment, um, really spoke to a truth within me that was already there but needed to be spoken by someone else. And um, there was a lot of freedom for me in reading that book. Beautiful. Michael Singer has also been on my uh, very pivotal teacher on my journey. So thank you for speaking about him again and for anyone listening if you haven't had the opportunity and something that Ariel just said spoke to you, I highly recommend picking up a copy or finding your way to, you know, which book is next for you. If that is what we're compelled to, I know we all learn our truths in different ways. And I think I'm learning that more and more and equally I pay attention. So when, when something gets brought up multiple times or if I'm guided to something or I've heard three people mention it, 
sometimes I take that as a, an indication that it's for me. Mm-hmm. So if that was your case listening, then heed that call and follow the inspiration that was offered you. Ariel, this has been phenomenal as I knew it would be coming into it and yet still even probably surpassed my uh, expectation. We certainly went to parts in this conversation that I could not have planned and yet for which I'm very grateful. So thank you for showing up in your open heartedness and in your authenticity and in your truth so that we all could experience the gift of that and receive what we needed to receive from this conversation. Thank you. I, it was such a pleasure and I equally feel um, a lot of gratitude for this conversation. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And to those who are listening, thank you for tuning in and subscribing. If you subscribe, please reach out to Ariel, find her. Again, I'll put her website, arielbrown.com in the show notes and uh, in, in addition to her friend and other resources so that you can continue to feel empowered to live more authentically in your life and specifically in your relationships so that we can heal the world one person, one relationship at a time, which is really all we can ever do. So many blessings to you and to this new year ahead, full of growth and possibility. Much love.